Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and on the episode with me today, I have Candice Fabry. Candice, where are you at and what are you up to? I am in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, KCK side, and I literally just got done baking a batch of cookies and feeding my kids dinner before I take my son to karate tonight uh, and then probably get a little bit of work done before I go to bed. So that's where I'm at right now and in my life as a mom of two. <laughs> Um, also obviously working in soccer. So yeah, that's where things are right, right now. <laughs> so other than being mom and rocking and rolling and doing that, um, I guess, first thing, how do you balance that being a mom and, um, getting into the soccer side? Yeah, I, that was something that I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I uh, didn't know how early or how late that would ever happen. Uh, but I, it's a lot. I don't say it's, it's not a lot, but I realize that I have a partner in crime in this. And so I'm fortunate that my husband is an involved father. Uh, so we understand that this takes two of us in order to give both of us the careers that we want and then giving the, the lives that we want to our children and the efforts. So a lot of it comes with a massive amount of communication and organization to do lists on my phone in my uh, I'm an old school like planner, uh, write things out and list and all of that. So really organizing as much as I can. Uh, I will say though, I was never the mom that had a kid on the schedule. Uh, he would, both of my children, I have a son and a daughter, naps when they could fit it in. Uh, they were at the field. So whenever naps could fit between games was how it ran. Uh, baths, though they happen, probably need to happen more, but it's a dependent on where's the night, where's training, how is that all gone? Um, so it's a little bit like, we'll just do it in the morning maybe because uh, of life. So I've, I've let my children know that mommy is flexible. So we just adapt and I'm sure that we'll have consequences at some point in time, but we definitely, we live with a lot of flexibility and understanding things happen and the kids know how to drive in the car for very long periods of time and entertain themselves. They know how to be at fields and entertain themselves. So uh, yeah, lots of germs, lots of dirt, because that's what they're doing to play <laughs> while we're coaching. So it, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's all worth it at the end to be able to do both. I know as a dad of three um, that yes, it can be a balancing act and sometimes you just got to do the best you can. Um, 100% <laughs> with things in terms of the soccer so you're talking about traveling all this type of stuff what things are you involved with in terms of the soccer side yeah uh, so I guess this weekend I'm with the Kansas ODP program so we have an, an event this weekend actually in Kansas City so I have that which is fairly nice because that's about 25 minutes down the road uh, so that'll be an all-day Saturday, all-day Sunday venture. And then I was a part of the Midwest Regional staff. So I was in Orlando, Florida for nine days on the interregional event down in Orlando. I was on both the boys' uh, 2009 staff and then on the girls' 2008 staff. So uh, I was one of two females on the entire boys' staff on all four regions there at the event. So that was kind of interesting. Uh, but that's one. I'm also the Casey Courage, uh, the U.S. UWS women's head coach. Uh, so that takes me in a lot of different directions during the spring and the summer to coach those. And then I am a coaching ed educator. So I do a lot of grassroots license primarily here in uh, Kansas City, but I actually was on the all-female hosted by Illinois last spring. So I was up in Rockford helping with those events and those um, instructions. So 
it has taken me everywhere. This game has, I've traveled the world playing and, uh, you know, coaching has only just expanded what, where I, where and where, where and when I go to different things. So it's a lot of coordination on travel with the kids and babysitting, but yeah, it takes a lot. So how did, how did you get to the point where you got selected to be one of the, one of two females at that ODP region, interregional kind of thing? Uh, yeah, not entirely sure. Uh, the people there selected me to come into the regional staff in Rockford. And so part of it, I think, is the network knowing you. So I've been involved in ODP in a number of ways since I graduated college and got right into coaching. I was with Ohio North ODP and then was in Iowa ODP and did regional staff for a while. I took a break for a little bit while I had my kids and they were growing up because Summers were a little bit more of a downtime moment between fall and spring season, so not another week away from the kids, but um, just letting people know that that's an opportunity you're interested in, and that was primarily what I did, and then uh, when I was at regional camp in Rockford, Illinois for Midwest, I'm running sessions, I'm providing input on players and characteristics and key qualities that I'm seeing them in terms of understanding their potential. And so I think by the way you obviously are coaching, by the way you're evaluating talent, uh, that's something where you get selected based off that input from the coaches that are working with you. So um, I was an assistant coach on both of those staffs. So somebody somewhere thought I did all right and brought me in. So, Well, for one, that's a huge thing for others to notice the quality that you bring to a program like that. Cause I know it's a large um, undertaking um, in terms of, cause as they keep going further up, hopefully toward the, the national team level and such um, you mentioned going from college right to coaching was this something that you have always been like that's what I'd love to do one day yeah I've been coaching in some form or fashion since I was about 14 years old I sent I remember I created flyers and put them in the neighbor's uh, mailboxes to run individuals when I was like 14 years old so I was doing that I was coaching my sister and uh, neighborhood kids in their 3v3 teams I was like a u10 3v3 national champ I I don't like market that, but that was something <laughs> I hung my hat on that I had all of this experience. And so I would coach those teams um, during the summer. And then I was helping in the club life. I was helping with little, little camps here and there. So I was always doing some form of coaching. Uh, I was also a referee to make money and then uh, got into college. And from there, when I was injured, I hurt my back uh, at the end of my freshman year. I was playing every minute and just it was really, really hurting. And so we found a fracture at the end of my freshman season. And that's when things started to, you know, maybe alter and change that I wasn't going to be playing for as long as maybe I was hoping for. Uh, but that's where really the coaching bug on a deeper level more than just, oh, this is fun to hang out with kids and play fun soccer games. It was, you know, understanding some of the tactical awareness and decisions make, made as a coach that it really started to get to me and say, this is something I, I might want to actually take seriously and do. So I took my D license the spring of my uh, senior year in college. So it was pretty, pretty much right into it. And my parents were like, wait, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to coach. <laughs> okay. You're going to teach too. Right. And at that point I was kind of deciding whether I was going to teach or not, but I ended up going kind of the full route of full-time into coaching right away. So, yeah. So um, when you were younger and you took the initiative to make a flyer and to go out and start helping out and just kind of involving yourself in the soccer refereeing and coaching, was there something that, something that spurred that on or was there something you saw on TV or just 
was it what was it that caused you to just take this leap of faith <laughs> I don't know I had I did have a female coach when I was younger I remember she had a baby uh when she was coaching me so there was just this sense that men and women could be coaches um I was fortunate in that way that there was no boundary to understanding or seeing that I had a role model I had that representation and then uh, I remember my parents were like you've got to get a job and so I was like well I like soccer what else would I go try to find a job in and, and so yeah I think I've always been someone that uh, when I want to go do something I do it and when I don't want to do it I really don't want to do it and I won't do it I'm pretty stubborn in that fact but I, I remember I was fortunate to have parents that were very supportive of what I wanted to do it was always led by me, uh, but they obviously had standards of quality. So, you know, Candace, if you're going to run a session and you're going to bring these kids in, I remember them like making sure, like, do, do you have a plan? Do you know what you're going to do for the 30 minutes or the 45 minutes? Uh, and so they were always making sure there was quality, um, not just going out there and going through the motions. And so fortunate in that fact, but yeah, it's just been something that I did enjoy. And when I'll be honest, when I figured out I could make money from it, I was like, Mm. this is not a bad gig so yeah I would train kids at the local middle school or high school fields and uh yeah I mean I remember getting paid a good amount to try to teach this young girl how to kick with her left foot because her parents are just like she needs to know how to do it and I was like all right I guess I could <laughs> teach her um and so yeah that was it was just something that I did and as I was getting older I was getting individual lessons and seeing you know that process of, of another person having that opportunity and then obviously knowing that I could coach teams it was kind of like hmm I wonder if I can make a career out of this so it's kind of how it all ran and where where not one thing where was where were you all of this. <laughs> when you were at 14 to 18 doing so, all of this and then where did you end up going to play college so I grew up in Naperville Illinois so I was suburb of Chicago uh so there's a lot of soccer a lot, a lot of soccer right there. And obviously had an opportunity to play locally and then played for the ODP team and was playing, um, you know, with a club at the end by 16, 17 soccer's where I was traveling a little over an hour plus in Chicago traffic to get to training and so on. So at that point though, that was a known thing that I would play in college and, and knew I had to put in the time that I wanted to, to, I needed and wanted to do in order to play at the level I wanted to play. So I ended up attending the University of Toledo. Uh, so I'm, I'm a rocket. Yeah. Uh, so went there and uh, I knew kind of on my recruiting trips, I knew, I don't know if I knew subconsciously or just whatever, that this would probably be the last four years of playing. So I was definitely in a mode of trying to find an, an experience that would give me four years of both the ability to play. I know that I wasn't the greatest. There was no national team probably in my path. I'd accepted my path was probably not there at that point with my playing abilities, but I knew that I wanted to be pushed. And so Toledo just was a really good fit for me. I liked the playing style um, and just the university in general. It, it just had a good feeling when I was on campus. And so everything fit and played there and walked in. I think I was told I'd play as a an outside back or whatever, but I ended up playing center back all my freshman year. So. Was, was the coaching staff there as well a, a win for you? The cool thing I love about what you said was um, it wasn't just about the soccer. It was like I enjoyed the campus, the field, the, you know, the, yeah. the way that the whole thing was. And I think so many, like I deal with at the high school level right now with my guys. I'm like, look, take away soccer. 
Right. Does everything else, is it something that you love and fit you? And I love the fact that you kind of mentioned, like those were the things that you also pointed out. Like I love the other, other parts of it as well. Yeah. I do the same with all of the, the players I work with going, listen, I'm almost proof of it. I played three of my four years and got medically DQ'd and I had to like what else I was doing there at the university outside of the soccer environment. And so, yeah, it's definitely, you know, at that point in time, I, I kind of laughed because like AOL messenger was just getting started. Uh, so I remember like recruiting trips, like exchanging AOL, like your handles or whatever. I don't remember what they were called back then. Um, but, and you know, I, I got my AOL AOL account and I had all the universities kind of lined up in my account and was starting to get emails, but still getting hard letters. So it was just this really different time. And um, I, I remember the recruiting trip, the players being really kind. I was also though that person that had no idea what I wanted to major in. Uh, so that factored in the fact that I truly was looking at it going, I don't know what I want to do. I know I want to play soccer. And so I wanted a university that hit at least a lot of different areas pretty darn well. And then would give me a flexibility knowing I had a couple areas that I was somewhat interested in. I, I was in the honors program and I remember the first day of being in class freshman year and I'm in like sweats and a t-shirt because I've been on campus, you know, three weeks more than anybody else there. And, you know, I got practice later that day and all this and, you know, it kind of felt like that legally blonde moment where everybody opened up like these really nice computers and, you know, everyone's in pre-med or whatever. And I'm, I play soccer. I don't know what I want to be <laughs> and, and just feeling so out of place um, and where I felt so in place in soccer and my environment and feeling home. And then I go to these classes where I just feel like the oddball for a really long time, not knowing what I wanted to do, but the campus worked. I liked the size. I was really a mid-size kind of person. I wanted it to feel homey without feeling like I had two blocks radius and that was it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I really, and credit to my parents, they, they drove that piece home. They were saying, listen, the coaching staff can change. You know, your playing status may not be what you want it to be. You're an injury. You know, they were really honest and open about me thinking about those different areas to ensure that the environment would be something that was positive regardless of what soccer's outcome would be. So uh, yeah, I mean, I had I'm still friends with some of like the female assistant coaches and, you know, that's good to see some of them throughout the, the college ranks and coaching next to them. There's one in particular there that was my freshman year and ended up on a regional staff next to her sitting and eating Twizzlers on the side and just being like, it's kind of crazy. I'm now sitting next to you as a coach and um, so on. So yeah, no, it's, it was something that I think a lot of coaches need to be more, more thoughtful of in conversation. Let those kids know that soccer may go away in a lot of ways or not be exactly what they think in those four years. And they want to have something really holistic in their experience at the end of the day. I love the, the kind of the balance between you and your parents, because it seems like they're really supportive, but they're also trying to pull the reins a little bit at times. Like when you said, Hey, I want to be coaching. You're like, oh, are you sure? And then just the whole, like, Hey, I want to go to Toledo and all these kind of setups. And they're like, yes, but also worry about, which I think is really awesome. They give you that kind of foundation. The next thing that I was thinking about, so you just mentioned like running into a, uh, a teammate as a coach and what have you. Mm -hmm. So you go and do your D license and then, and then what, how do you, how, where do you go from there? How do you get into coaching? How have you got to the point where you're doing a United yeah. soccer team and going to Florida, yeah. going to Illinois and running uh, coaching education and stuff? How did all of this kind of blow up to this? Yeah. I, I, First and foremost, I had mentors 
so I'll get into kind of where I'm at now at the end of this, but uh, I had some people that recognized that I maybe could do this, had a little bit of ability to read the game and teach the game. And so those people brought me in and kept me going, had conversations about what was, you know, strengths of mine and were honest about areas I needed to develop in. So very quickly after the D license, uh, I was brought into Ohio North's ODP program. And so I had mentors like Tom Turner running, you know, the state that thought I was halfway decent. So uh, I also ended up marrying one of my mentors. So my husband, Paul Fabry, uh, uh -oh. he is, so my husband is a state DOC for Kansas. So I ended up um, being able to, to, I didn't, he was coming after me, I think at the end of the <laughs> beginning, uh, but definitely had, you know, some good people. And he was one of them at that point. And, and we weren't dating at that, at that time. He just simply was said me and a couple others had some abilities. So brought us into ODP pretty early, uh, had us running sessions. He was, God, him and a few others were really, really good at, you know, telling everybody, all the players to hold. And then without me knowing they were going to call on me to provide a coaching moment would do that. So very much the throw you in the deep end kind of coach <laughs> mentoring style of get us in and, and have sessions and provide feedback and, and do things that were beneficial in a lot of ways. But the thing that I really valued in a lot of those individuals was always the feedback. They gave me that time, whether it was going to the bar that night or, you know, in another way, they, they were ensuring that I had some feedback from it. Um, I was taking licensing pretty much every year. I had a buddy who played at Bowling Green. Um, and so we had taken our licensing together, the D, the C, the B and all of that. And so uh, it was really good to have somebody that came through it with me. Uh, the D license, I think I was one of maybe three or four women, the C license. I think I was the only female in my C and my B, I was one of two. Um, I did not, and I have not taken my A license and I can get into that in a second, but um, in my instructor license for the grassroots here, I was the only female. So I'm pretty used to just being one of the only ones in there. And so after my B license, um, my husband actually got offered to be a director at Iowa Rush Soccer Club. And so we made the trip from uh, Toledo to Iowa, Des Moines, thinking we'd be there a couple years. Uh, we were here or there 10 years um, and two kids later, uh, not expecting that. But when we got into Iowa Rush, uh, that was actually the first year I had a boys team. And so uh, unknowingly, I guess I was one of the first youth boys coaches that was a female in the state. And so didn't really understand, didn't know, just got my assignment and did it. Uh, not thinking too much of it. There was a couple instances of a reminder that I was a female coach from a couple of people, but pretty much, you know, it, it ran its course like any other environment of a coach coaching a, a team. So uh, from there, I was working more with teams and starting to get on the admin side. And so eventually worked into the general manager role at Iowa Rush. So I was running events as well as coaching teams and fundraising and all the fun stuff that makes a club go round um, pretty much the whole time. And so, you know, and all that too, I was actually working um, with local college programs, local youth programs. I, I really value a holistic approach when we think about what sports can provide. So I was doing presentations with, you know, Drake University's camps and talking and mentoring with young women. I had started the Iowa Women in Soccer Alliance a group to try to provide a spot for females across the state to come in and know that there was other females that existed out there and that they could talk to and relate to whether they wanted to be a mom, uh, whether they were facing issues and things on um, 
I'm a survivor of sexual abuse by a coach, um, sexual assault instance. So, you know, I had some not so great moments in my coaching history. And so being open and honest about some of that being a part of things um, kind of led me to probably where I'm at now, which is I run a program called Fearless and Capable. It's a mentorship program for women. Um, it's really open to anyone, but it's all female mentors. So if there's a guy out there that wants to have a female mentor, we're totally in for it. Uh, but just realize that it is a female-led program. Uh, and really, at the end of the day, it's it's trying to, one, attract more women into the profession and then retain them by giving them uh, support or at least the opportunity for mentorship. Uh, it may not exist based on their geography or who they work for. And, and everyone deserves that opportunity for mentorship and self-growth. So that's primarily what I'm doing now. Um, I was nominated through my time in Iowa about three or four years ago at this point, I think, um, to be a grassroots coaching instructor. So I did that. And that was really a very rewarding experience. I loved the license to learn how to become an instructor. I've naturally been teaching, but teaching adults is something that's always been um, a fun experience for me there. Uh, going back to not taking the A, um, that's been something that has always kind of bugged me and something I would love to do. The time that I went to the director of coaching at the club when I was working, um, I had said, you know, the year after I had my first child, hey, I think I want to go for my A. All he did was look at me and say, I don't think you'd ever pass, laughed, and then turned around in his chair. And that really, really set me off. My confidence plummeted. Um, I felt like there was no ability. I wasn't going to be a good coach. And when we all know how much a license costs in a club that can financially help you out. Mm -hmm. um, and I had come off coaching right away, but having a baby. So, you know, maybe you thought I was rusty. I don't know. I just, I knew I never wanted an explanation in my my thoughts were that I would never do it. And so that was kind of a, a regrettable moment that I let somebody else tell me what my abilities are. Um, but I've also taken it as motivation to keep growing despite um, what others say. And so, you know, when we got to Kansas City, I have kind of dove headfirst into understanding and knowing the area and getting to know players and getting to know directors and getting to know different coaches. And through my time, um, there was a United Soccer Coaches clinic, I think for like a 77 or 99 less license, excuse me. But there was somebody coming in and talking about um, women in soccer. And so I was like, all right, you know, got the babysitting sorted and I'll go. Like, I wanted to learn a different, I hadn't taken any of the United Soccer Coaches courses, so why not go learn about their methodology and beliefs there? And then um, it's women in soccer, so what's going on in KC? Who are these people that are going to be here? I'm brand new to this, uh, the city. And so I ended up meeting the owner of the KC Courage UWS team, and so introduced myself and what I had kind of done at that point in time. And then we just continued to talk, and uh, she was able to get some insight from others who had seen me coach. And extended the invitation actually the year of the pandemic to be an assistant and then obviously that didn't really pan out that season didn't go uh, but then last year she called me and just said listen you know I want you to help lead this team and so uh, we were extended that opportunity to be the associate head coach with her she was the owner and split the admin duties and she goes all you have to do is coach the field and I'm like I'm in if I get trainings and games and I don't have to do the admin work you got me so it was a fantastic um, experience. It was a sprint of a season. Um, it's kind of like your high school, college type seasons, few weeks to prepare, and then we hit the ground running. And so that was um, 
it was a fantastic experience. And just recently we had two of our players get called into the KC and WSL team. It was that then obviously the KC current. So um, some talented players that we were working with and got the opportunity to coach um, all summer long. And then when they got that opportunity, it was obviously a kind of a nod and like, yes, like they are quality and the program's quality and it can be an opportunity and a pathway uh, for many young female players that, you know, as we all look into the NWSL expanding and hoping for opportunities, you know, knowing what pro pathways exist, United Women's Soccer League being one, obviously the USL coming out as well, that there are other opportunities to continue that path here um, in the States to, to play professional soccer. So uh, yeah, I think I, I hit most of it at this point in time, but kind of wearing multiple hats and um, doing what I can to to keep myself fresh in the coaching game. I don't coach every night um, and that's been made on a purpose, purposeful way to, to ensure that I can still be mom. Um, but I obviously, I see this as a chapter. My kids will only be this age and, and around for so long and then they'll go off and find their own pathway and I'll still be able to, to then maybe select and find a, a more permanent coaching gig that's back to every night, but I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like some of my nights and having the ability to bake cookies tonight like I did, I guess. So. Right on, Lynn, and a little bit of karate. Exactly. You know, maybe <laughs> later on that'll be me. So That's who knows? right. Um, yeah. the, man, there's so much awesomeness in everything you just shared. The one thing I, I love is like your just openness of like, here's my experience um, and your ability to kind of work through some things. Um, in terms of the guy turning away from you or like dealing with some of the abuse type things that you went through and your like, openness for that, because I think that's where we're all leaning, which is one of the great things about this podcast is people get to start seeing that you see what's out there on the field, but there's a lot of behind the scenes things that people are dealing with or um, juggling. And the one thing I thought was interesting is you have had a lot of people say, you're a pretty good coach from leaving Toledo to, you know, running into your husband and doing that to being nominated to do this and what have you. And I thought it was interesting that this one coach had such a, or DOC or whatever director had such a large impact on you. you, even said, my confidence dropped. I mean, here you are crushing it with all these things that you're doing and creating. And I think it's interesting and powerful for people listening the power of your reaction and what you say to people. And I love the fact that you've got fearless and capable and you're, you know, you're trying to, to create opportunities for women to empower themselves and, and take advantage of some things. But I thought it was really big that you said, he said that. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe, I mean, here you are to be licensed. Like that's no joke. There's not, you know, that's a cream of the crop type level license. And, but yeah. it's amazing even at that level for you to be like, maybe start questioning, maybe I'm not. Yeah. And I, and I think that's something that people, I, when I found, I finally started speaking out about like the sexual abuse situation and, you know, started kind of letting my guard down probably about seven years ago. Cause I, I think I had to feel so, I had to look so confident. I had to look a certain way. I mean, let's talk about females being on the sideline. If we're too loud and cheery, we're a cheerleader. We're not a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, the way we sound, the way we look, the way we act. I mean, I've had the situation where they walk right past me, the referees to shake the assistant's hand where it's like, I'm the head coach. You know, those experiences are real. They're not, um, they're, they're not non-existent. I mean, I'll, I'll be frank and honest as I have been in this whole conversation. Um, when I was in Orlando and I, my husband was also there on staff 
uh, he got to hear most of the questions asked of me were not soccer. A lot of them were asked as, you know, a mom, how are my kids doing? Which is not bad. I don't mind people asking, but no one asked him how the kids were. Mm-hmm. They only asked me. And I'm like, well, that's the father of the said children you're asking. You can ask him <laughs> how they're doing because they've called and texted him as much as they've called and texted me. Um, and so, you know, yeah, just let's, let's keep this regular dialogue and be vulnerable, be honest about what these experiences mean, because there are women, there are, you know, there's, it's not just women, there's minorities, there's everybody, that at some point, someone with a position of power will tell you, and, and you think power influence, and those are the words that, you know, you associate with somebody that could make a decision that you think will influence the course of, you know, your next career move or, or abilities to improve in this game. And, you know, when I look back at a lot of the people that I followed or were my influences or positions of power, and when they made those statements or they acted in certain ways, because of what you hold them to, when they don't give you that, you know, yeah, you have a moment of despair in a lot of ways. And I think that is a, a real response. Someone you have invested in and and understood that would be someone to give you something and they don't, and they do it in a way that is so, I say lacking of emotional intelligence, which I know emotional intelligence is a huge word right now. It's like, it's a buzzword, but I think there's something real behind it because absolutely, I might've not been ready. Like that's valid to tell me I'm not ready, but then it's, you're not ready right now. And here's how we can maybe develop a plan to get you ready. That's the next level. That's what I want leaders. I want, you know, especially in the Fearless and Capable program, women to go, if you don't hear, you know, maybe you're not ready, but I'm here to help you or I can find resources or listen, if you want to do this, I'm supportive of you and creating a, a plan to get you there. That's what we need more of is people giving the, and I will help you. but that's the point that I look and I go, why did I give those people so much value? How did I give them so much power to, to put what value I had in myself? And how did I give that to them? Well, you know what? It's, it's a bit of just how natural life is. We look at somebody and go, wow, they should be someone that really invests in me and cares. And then when they don't, it's a big disappointment. You, you take their, their worth to what you should then, you know, consider yourself and we've got to stop and break that cycle. So it's making better leaders. That's part of what I'm doing is when I'm working with our mentors um, and fearless and capable, they're not just given a mentee and said, Hey, be great. Our mentors get training. Um, They have regular onboarding training plus continuing education. Um, They have support calls so that these female mentors are not just becoming better mentors. They're also going to be better leaders um, and they're leading in a variety of different ways in the sports industry. And then that way, as mentees are seeing the experience that the mentors are going, which is, listen, I want you to be great, and I'm going to give you resources. I believe in what you can do, and I'm going to give you support so that you can feel like you can truly achieve. And that's what I think everyone deserves the opportunity to have. Um, and when you don't have it in your environment, the thing that I'm seeing is too many people turning away from the profession and saying it's not worth my time. And I hate hate hearing that. I hate seeing it working in the grassroots level um, with those courses is many women that the few women that come through the courses, many of them aren't coaching a couple of years later. And that that's a really disappointing and hard thing to see. And so 
you know, how can we be more purposeful? How can, in, how can leaders find ways that if you can't mentor everyone, which is a reality, we can't mentor maybe everybody that works for us. And it might be style, it might be time availability, like real life stuff, then, but you have a responsibility to help them. If they want to get help, you should have a responsibility to help them find that help. And so uh, that's where I really sit. I look and go, I gave these people way too much value, too much time and too much emotional baggage that I just have swept away and said, no more. I'm not letting that happen to me again. And so, um, but that's an everyday reminder. And that's why Fearless and Capable is the name. So that it's a daily reminder to myself on how I want to be. It, it kind of goes back to even when you said, when I got injured, it was something that happened I had to deal with and I had to move on. And that's how I kind of changed my focus. And even this at the time, it, it hurt being told like, now you're not ready. You're not going to pass. But I can tell you did a lot of self-reflection and you kind of like mulled over it and grinded yeah. through it and then said, you know what, here's what I'm going to take from that experience. And, and clearly, you know, now in a position of leadership, how you want your people, like your clients and your future mm -hmm. mentors and all that stuff you're dealing with to work with. The other thing that I wanted to kind of get some input on is what has your husband's experience been in those scenarios, kind of like where he's there and he's like, what, why are you talking to my wife about the kids <laughs> yeah. and stuff when she's like, yeah. I picked her out a long time ago, not only <laughs> my, as my wife, but as a really, really good stinking soccer coach. So how yeah. is he, is there times where he has to just like say, okay, I'm going to stay out of this. I'm going to let you deal with it. Or is there times where he says I've had enough and I've got to uh, he is the, the balance one of the two of us. If there was, I mean, I'll give you one instance. There was a point where in my younger days, I was probably not being, um, as, as kind as I should have been to the referee. I disagreed with the call quite, quite <laughs> that adamantly. Never that never happened. Never happened. And never. so never. And so I probably was a little bit overboard, but the referee walked past me by the way, I was like five yards on the field. I should have never been on the field, but I was five yards on the field expressing my thoughts. He walked past me and looked at, was my husband sitting in the chair because he was coaching with me and said, you need to get her under control. And he said, no, no, no. You talk to her directly. Good luck with that. And so he's always been very much um, one, a a silent supporter. He is the balanced emotional one at times, even though I've, I've definitely evened out in, in my years. Um, but he doesn't come to my defense a ton publicly um, because one, he knows I can handle it and he wants me to be able to handle it. And then two, I don't want him stepping in. You know, I wouldn't, I don't step in on his stuff. And so he doesn't step in on mine and we kind of see each other as our individual selves. Um, however, he's not absent of emotions and thoughts about what he sees happen to me on how he can be a better leader. So for sure, his role modeling, uh, you know, there's some instances where like I was asked about the kids and then he said, Hey, so the formation today, when we did this, or you thought about like, he would purposely ask a soccer question in front to give that moment without, you know, that subtle passive aggressiveness to be like, no, she's here for other reasons as well. So he's for sure that, that type, um, and, you know, I think that for me has given me so much confidence. Oh, for sure. There's times I've wanted him to step in and like say something, but at the end of the day, if he had, I think I would have looked and said, and this is probably more of my personality. Like I could do it myself. Why do I need you to talk and, and tell me? Um, but for sure, he's, he's so much more in tune. He's 
he's so much aware because he's had to see me go through it. I mean, when you talk about the reflections, the mauling, oh, that happens and it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over weeks or months and tears and screaming and yelling and being silent and not talking for, you know, periods of time of like, I just need to do what I need to do to get myself to where I need to go. Um, but it was really great because there are certainly times that I think he is, he's even more understanding like the privilege he has, um, you know, he's a white man in this op, in this profession. And so he's, he has similar struggles and similar, um, you know, hardships like we all do in coaching. We're not all absent of those, but certainly understanding what, you know, his gender and his race has given when we think about what success looks like in this industry. And oftentimes it's, it's that, and they're fantastic white male coaches. Like I'm not against that. Uh, but I think, you know, when we look at what success is, how can we raise the voices of minorities and he does a really good job of that he's the ODP staff he has here you know I think all of our goalkeeper staff coaches at ODP are female except for one or two um so we have four or five female goalkeeper coaches and um you know two males and then on the all-female courses I mean he's the one looking at me going can we do an all-female course and then he's going to host an all-Spanish um speaking course so he's definitely at least aware and acting now it doesn't hurt that I'm in his ear being like have you thought about this? But I think, you know, is, is a lot of men say oftentimes, you know, I wouldn't want that happen to my daughter. I wouldn't want that to happen to my wife or, you know, however it is, I always say, don't wait till you have a daughter or a wife. Think about your sister. Think about your mom. Think about a, a girl that's a friend. It doesn't have to be a family member. Just think about how you would want somebody in your life that you care about that happens to be female or, you know, non-binary or whatever that you are there for them and, and advocate for them as well, because there's likely not the similar type of conversations you might get access to that they get to or a spot at the table, like you may more easily get to. So the, the one thing that I love about you and I, uh, in this conversation, and it goes back to the beginning, you said, if it's something I love, like soccer, I'm all in. And if it's stuff that I don't like, I'm not even going to mess with it. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like that's that kind of give and take that you have with your husband. But where did that come from? Is that a like, is, are, you, are your parents that way, are that way? Like, is yeah. very folks super focused or is that just something that you've just. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I would say, yeah, my parents are that way. I mean, my dad's an entrepreneur. And so he had some of that and, and that entrepreneurship came later in life. But he was a dad that he was busy and he worked a lot, but like he made my stuff. Um, and so he would be at games. He would, you know, pick me up from training. He wasn't absent, you know, and if he was away, he was checking in and it was somebody I could rely on. Um, my mom, when I went back to college, she went back to get her master's and now is, um, a doctor and does or doctor of psychology. So she's a therapist. So I've got a bit of like that work ethic that was instilled. Uh, I always was the driver of the bus, but it, I wouldn't say that they didn't come and press my leg on the gas sometimes or hit the brake when they needed to. They had, you know, that, that ability and that mindset. But, you know, for me, and I see this in my daughter a little bit, you know, I remember being kind of stereotyped to my kind of be like a male player. I remember saying like, you kind of are like a guy. And I was like, what does that mean? Well, and I got called into college 
into the coach's room and this office because I wasn't being friendly enough. And I said, well, what does that mean? Well, sometimes you can be a little like cold. And I was like, well, what do you, you know, what are you looking for? Well, like, do you go out and are you at every, are you, you know, am I at the sleepovers? Am I at the movies? Am I at the team? Am I everybody's best friend? And I said, no, I'm not everybody's best friend. Um, I, do I respect my teammates? And, and the answer is always, yes, I respect the heck out of the teammates and I work hard. They worked hard. That was how it was. But because I was not cheery, rah, rah, and not always like everybody needs to be happy and everyone needs to like each other. It was a team. Like there's going to be ups and downs. There are going to be people that are struggling. There are going to be people that succeed and we have to figure out that ebb and flow. And so, because that's how I looked at things when I didn't want to deal with something, I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do that when I did. And I did. And so I was kind of able to process and put forth of this is something, you know, that doesn't seem relevant to the moment. So we push that out of the way and this is the focus. So this is what we do. Um, and that's been part of, I think, some of the some of the ways that I got into being an entrepreneur right now is I saw a problem that needed to be solved and I think I've got a way to do it. And so I decided there are some things that I'm no longer just going to deal with. And I'm just going to push that away and go, I'm putting you in a box and, you know, we're not dealing with this anymore because we're going to focus here. And, and some of it is the fact that, yeah, it's not everything's been easy. Not everything's been handed to me and I've had to work my tail off, but I'm done with the naysayers. I'm done with people, you know, believing that there's only one way to, to do this, or there's only one way of success or, you know, everybody can be a mentor to everyone. No, not everyone can. Styles are different. People need different things. And so I just am really a big proponent that we all figure out what our, um, our authentic selves are. And we bring that and we value that in individuals instead of trying to force them to be something that they're not, because you're not going to get all you can when you let their authenticity show. And I think that goes for the work environment. I think that goes with your coaching staff. I think that goes with your players um, and really the people in your life. If I, I can't change my husband, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, there's no luck. way. I've tried good at moments, luck. but there's no way he's going to be him and I'm going to be me. And if he tries to change me, that's not going well either. Mm -hmm. So that's just that mentality. It's kind of, it's not an all or nothing, but it's a make a decision, make it purposeful, make it intentional. And then put all the other BS away and go for it. So I love this because you're at Toledo. I'm going to go coach really no plan of where we're going with it. And it's ballooned into this, like going all over the place, making impacts, creating this great mentorship for females and, and what have you and, and leadership and all this where, if I said, Candace, what in 10 years from now, I mean, what's your, do you have a, a an idea, trajectory or are you just kind of, cause I feel like as you've been going along, you've kind of, like you almost said, like, I'm not dealing with this, but this is something I think that needs to be dealt with. And I can tell that the fearless and capable is something that really, really inspires you um, yeah. on top of the coaching. Um, yeah. Is it just more like, I'm just going to keep going. And if there's an opportunity, I'm going to go for it. Or do you have yeah. aspirations to maybe go NWSL or bigger yeah. or I think well with this whole climate of the NWSL right now with all these you know the, the season that we had of That's firings and things coming out and coaching in the UWS uh yeah there's been a couple people that have mentioned to me you know have you ever thought about that um I don't believe and I, I say this not with a imposter syndrome or anything like that there is a lot I need to be better at in order to go for an NWSL job so I say that with a very frank 
honest evaluation of my skill set right now as a coach. Uh, so is that something in the back of my mind? Yes, um, I would definitely, if I want to go that angle, I know there are certain steps I would need to take. And there's a lot of steps I don't think I would know right now that I need to take that I would need in order to do that. Uh, but I have very much enjoyed my first experience coaching um, beyond the college level. And that was exciting. So I, I like where I'm at right now. So I don't know if there's too many aspirations to go a lot higher, but I'm, I'm never going to say never on that. I would say that uh, the coaching education piece is something that I don't see me dropping anytime soon. I love, love finding ways to um, be an entry level experience for coaches that are just starting out in their coaching journey. I really think that's a massive impact. I know the people that were there for me at the entry point of coaching, um, but I don't know if I would still be coaching if they weren't there at times. And so I find that as a very, very rewarding job. I also tell all of the candidates especially the females, because right now um, in Kansas, I am the only one on the Kansas youth state staff that's coaching or coaching instructor as a female. So um, I would one, I tell them that I get paid. So as a reminder, I love teaching, but I'm also here getting paid. Yes. So as a reminder <laughs> to all of us wearing multiple hats, don't forget that I'm also getting paid for doing this work. So I tell females that when they're thinking about how they make soccer a profession, which usually includes a lot of different ways um, to do that. But then on the second hand, um, I want more female instructors. I don't want to have to do all the female licenses. I would love to share those responsibilities. I want, and I know my husband's doing a good job of trying to think of ways that we have um, one gender on each coaching course. So there's a male and a female. That's the goal to have that as, as frequently as possible and having minorities represented so that when we look at our entry point into coaching, we see a representation of what it really could and should look like um, for our players as well at the end of the day. So I think that part's not going anywhere. The coaching side of things, um, we'll see. I still like working with youth. I haven't like nailed and said, this is the level I want to coach at. And I think that makes me a better coach because I can think about how we progress and how we build and how we um, really evolve players into high level um, as well as just passionate life loving soccer people that keep playing all the way up as as much as they can physically I know my playing days are a little bit more behind me besides an occasional pickup game because there's just way too much ice there's not enough ice needed to, to help my back feel a little bit better after a game or two but um yeah I don't know and I, I think part of why I leave that open is because you know as I said even with my kids there's no schedule to this there's no this or that, you know, it is definitely something that for my mental health, I need that adaptability. I need that ability to say, I want to go attack that. And I'm no longer going to deal with that. That's, that's kind of the, the best thing I can do. And I say that with the fact that, you know, I've taken coaching gigs. I coach at things that sometimes I don't always love it, but it's there and it makes money. Um, but it gives me the opportunity to also put food on the table, clothes on the back and a house above the kids' heads in my own head. And so, you know, it's not always um, rainbows and, you know, butterflies coaching, but it's well worth it. I can have a really bad day and get to the field and coach and be a heck of a lot better person when I leave that field, both for myself and my kids. I find myself being a better mom when I do this, so. Talking about the kids, if if they get into soccer, is that something that you would want to be a part of and coach them and be a part of that experience? Or is that something you feel like maybe I need to step back and let someone else or 
so my son's 11. Um, he's in karate. He did soccer for a handful of years and then came to me and said, it's not fun. I was like, okay. And I was a part of some of those years coaching him and other years I wasn't. Um, and so we definitely took a lot of like, is, I remember there was a whole season where I think I saw him play once I dropped him off to the field and had, you know, the coach that was there know that I'm two fields over coaching my own game. So I would miss my kid's game to coach my own games. And so there was a lot of guilt to is soccer for him, something that's a negative because it took mommy and daddy away. So we, we did process that a little bit. Um, but I'll be honest, I've relinquished that guilt because when he's in karate, he is who I was as a soccer player. He is focused. He is, he's into it. Like the passion is there. So soccer just wasn't his thing. And so that part was easy. That's that one's done. He's not doing soccer. He'll go to a game. He'll allow it to be on television. <laughs> he'll ask me the score. He'll ask me, but he's not, he's not going to go there. He's good with it at recess. Um, so my daughter though, on the other hand, got back into soccer when we came to KC. And so she's eight and I do coach her. Um, I coach her team and she wanted to, that was a very honest conversation at first. Do you want mommy to coach? You know, they need a coach. Are you okay if mommy does? So that was one I wanted to put in her court. Cause if she told me no, that might've been one, the club wouldn't have loved that, but two, you know, just understanding that she's got a say in that environment, because to me, that's her environment. That's not my environment. Um, but it's a volunteer role. So that's kind of interesting. Cause it's, you know, I probably do as much as I would have for a paid role in that. So it is, you know, a little bit of a difference, but for her, um, you know, we're, I am intentional about trying to give her space on things. I do ask her opinion in the car, like which games did you like? Uh, what exercises did you like? So that I get her feedback on what practice she enjoyed about it. Um, you know, I get on her about her behavior. So just like any kid, if they weren't listening or they were goofing off, it's more on the behavior than the soccer execution side of things. So I'm, I am intentional that I'm mommy in that role. And then when I'm on the field, um, I still let her call me mom. Um, I don't think I should make her call me coach. It's just my opinion. Um, I'm still her mom. And so she can call me mom. And I know that's my kid on the field asking for things. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to come a point at some point that I'm no longer her coach, but she also might be a rec kid and that's okay with me. If she's a recreational player and they just need a volunteer coach and it still works for her that I'm involved. I could be her coach for a really long time, but I think if she goes more the competitive route at some point, it would probably make a lot of sense that I'm not there as frequently. Um, and somebody else is helping take that just for her peace of mind and for her to really own that process because as a competitive coach and something where you're judging a little bit more, opinions matter. And so again, talk about that abuse of power and abuse of, you know, that influence and that I, I would rather not be that person for her. I think having somebody else and having that life skill of learning is something that would be important and valid for her. So there's a, like a refreshing outlook that you have on things. I don't know if it's a self perspective or a big picture thing or something, but everything you've talked about just seems to be like I think that what you just used that was holistic everything yeah. is like you're just not like look the soccer is cool for her or, the, or for my son but then he went karate like I'm looking to create like an awesome young man one day and yeah. an awesome young lady and if they end up doing soccer that would be awesome if I can be a part of it that would be a bonus 
But if right. I have to sit back and be a fan and support them, watch them do it, um, yeah. I'm all for it. And sounds very similar to what your parents kind of had conversations with you when it went to the going to Toledo and versus going to mm -hmm. coaching and like, we love it. Are you sure? Like, you, you know, I think you said that even your husband being that kind of balance right. um, has been so awesome. Like you've taken those lessons. And the other thing you talked about with like the mentoring and building leadership is you've recognized that I can't just say it. I have to do it. And you clearly put up and you're intentional about it. Like you're not just, well, I'll just kind of figure it out. Like, no, I've got a plan. I want like tell my husband, like, hey, let's do an all female yeah. coaching education opportunity. And then sharing that with them or setting up this, the fearless and capable, like all of yeah. it has a purpose and a plan. I think it's so stinking awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And I know you've got a few other female guests. So like Sky Eddie Bruce is um, on as a mentor in my program. And she was one of the first people um, and she's one of those ones. I'll, I'll tell you this story of very quickly. We ended up, we were on some call together for a U.S. soccer coaching thing or whatever. And so we ended up being in the small breakout room virtually. And I then get, I think a DM through Twitter and was like, Hey, can we connect? And I was like, why does Sky Eddie want to talk to me? Like that is, and so we, she set up a virtual call and just was like, your name just keeps popping up and I don't know who you are and what you're doing, but you keep <laughs> popping up. And so I just wanted to learn about you. And for me, I, you know, I knew the name, I knew, you know, her playing career. I knew that she was in charge of soccer parenting and had this influence. And, you know, when I, I, I did work, I guess I kind of passed, I worked for the state association in Iowa. That was another thing that I had done um, before we moved. So when well, we moved to not? Kansas city, add that to the list. <laughs> yeah. So I was at the <laughs> Iowa soccer state association as the director of member services there when my husband got the Kansas DOC job. So we actually moved to Kansas city and I was working for Iowa while he was working for Kansas for a short amount of time. But I had, you know, reached out to sky to have her come in and I ran a symposium for the, uh, the state association, like a weekend's um, education event. And so sky was somebody that I had kind of wanted because of, you know, her caliber and her quality. Um, and so the fact that she just said, hey, I, I want to know about you and who you are and what's going on. I just was blown away going, we need more of that. Like we're so connected, you know, through technology and this, this industry is really small when we start thinking about it that, you know, she got on and, and that's where I told her about what my idea was, was fearless and capable. And it was just more of a concept there, but she, as an entrepreneur, uh, gave so much mentorship to me in just a very small conversation. And then I was fortunate. I was down at the Florida and the state of Florida's AGM for their soccer association there. And Sky was the keynote speaker. And uh, I was able, I had a speaking engagement there as well, but to, to be able to pick her ear for a weekend, um, sitting poolside, I'm not going to lie on that, uh, <laughs> was not the worst weekend spent. So, you know, that's those things that it's, you know, taking, taking advantage, continuing to push, um, you know, this game is, if you, you know, we all think of the sum of our experiences, it's pretty holistic when we think beyond just the results of soccer. Um, yeah, I've won a lot. I lost a lot as well. I was at two years in a row. I think I was like 14 and 15. I was the fifth PK shooter in state cup finals. And I missed two years in a row to lose two years in a row. Um, so I've had that, you know, as a player. Um, and then I would make every PK after that. Well, why? Because there was a learning experience. There was an absolute failure, um, you know? And so those are absolutely all parts. And I think the more we can get honest about that pathway and it's not because somebody should take my pathway, someone should just earn, own their own 
um, path and their own journey in this and be excited about what they've accomplished. And then also be truthful about the moments that weren't so pretty <laughs> and all of it. And I think that authenticity and that type of leadership is actually going to make this game way more diverse, way more um, representative, and honestly, a lot more fun for all of us to participate in. And that happens at every level from the recreation all the way to the top that if we can make this game what it really is and it brings a lot to us it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun to see where this game goes and i try to be optimistic because there's a whole lot to be pessimistic about when you look <laughs> at some of the things going on but um i don't know we can sit and complain or i host things um there's a women in soccer network and that would be something it's a free network that men and women can be a part of and i host it through the pandemic i started in the pandemic and then i host with them it's called coffee in progress um and so i just started it out of an idea, invited people in, and uh, we had a topic of the month and literally would meet in the morning. I think it was like 8 a.m. and we still do it around 8 or 9. Um, and everyone either had a cup of coffee or tea or if they were feeling frisky, something else in their cup. Uh, but my only role for the hour uh, was that we had to make some progress. So everyone had to walk away with a an idea or an action step or maybe a combination of both to go try to make something they're doing better and so it wasn't an hour to complain that you just we couldn't do that we had to think of ways that we could be better and so i i advocate that for a lot complain vent and then act and make it better because that's the only way we move forward so um you and anybody else is feel, feel free to drop jump oh, into wow. those head in the future so awesome. uh, yeah i usually share it on twitter and instagram and all that so you guys can join in it'd be great they're fun. They're good conversations. So kind of piggybacking on that idea of Sky reaching out, there's so much that you've shared in this episode. Um, if people want to connect with you and find out more about like the coffee chats or the fearless and capable, or just to kind of follow your journey as you yeah. keep doing your coaching education and stuff, what are some of the easy ways to connect with you and follow along with you? Yeah, I, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that's it. I TikTok all that is it's not my jam right now. Um, <laughs> but it's easy at Candace Fabry and then Fearless and Capable is at Fearless Fearless Capable. So there's no and in it, just fearless capable. Uh, but yeah, I'd be happy. I usually share a lot of things on both um the personal ones. You'll see more pictures of the kids and the dogs and you know, adventures too, like the Casey women's games or sporting games or other random things that happen in my life. And then the fearless and capable stuff. Uh, is a lot of motivation, um, some honest truth telling at times from my perspective or others that are in the program. Um, and then honestly, opportunities, the membership is something that gives a 30 day free trial. And so I would really encourage if anyone's looking for an opportunity for mentorship, um, there's a membership to join that you can get that kind of at your fingertips. And then there's one on one sessions that you can actually have a mentor paired up with you. And we're very intentional with it. It's there's a an assessment and things that we do to, to match you up and people like sky are available as mentors if that's a match we think is appropriate so um some really cool cool people that are not just coaches in the game they're doing lots of fantastic different things besides just coaching we've got referees and administrators and um you know executive directors of nonprofits, for profits and working into marketing and all these different areas so that we understand wearing multiple hats is sometimes part of the journey and so connecting with women that you might have similar likes and interests, they're there. And so you can connect to them and, you know, pick their brain and feel, feel the opportunity is, is available to you. 
So I will share all that information, <laughs> contacts, websites, all that stuff will be in, yeah. the, in the podcast notes. This has been so awesome. I really appreciate it. I'm going to shut it down. This is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats with Candace Fabry, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.